welcome to the sermon podcast of Orchardville Baptist Church in beautiful Moultrie, Georgia. We're so glad that you've chosen to listen in with us today. It is our hope that you will be encouraged by the Word of God and find growth in your everyday life. For more information about our church or for more digital resources, be sure to check us out on the web at OrchardvilleBaptist.com. And now for today's sermon. I tell you, I don't think that quarantine slowed those guys up blowing that trumpet, has it? I tell you what, y'all did a great job. Thank y'all so much. And uh, if you will, church, take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We will continue in our study through 1 Corinthians. Uh, Again, this is a a church that uh, had a lot of issues. Paul writes to this church more than he does any other church to address issues and and that's certainly something he has been dealing with in chapter 1. And we, I'm sorry, yeah, First uh, Corinthians, uh, rather. And as we have now turned to chapter 7, he is uh, answering different questions uh, that the church has uh, asked him about. And in particular in chapter 7, there's a lot of issues about marriage that he will address. And Paul uh, has a great deal of teaching in this chapter. On marriage, and he does something today where he will be giving new scripture uh, to uh, new laws concerning marriage to the church in our text today. So it's a it's an interesting section of scripture here that deals with a very unique situation. But at the same time, I believe there's a principle here uh, that uh, we all need to remember and, and keep in mind as we seek to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. So. I'm going to ask if you would to please stand with your Bibles open in honor and in reverence of God's holy word. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 12. But to the rest I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe if he is willing to live with her let her not divorce him for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband otherwise your children would be unclean but now they are holy but if the unbeliever departs let him depart a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases but God has called us to peace for how do you know O wife whether you will save your husband or how do you know O husband whether you will save your wife let us pray heavenly father we do love you and thank you and praise you today and what a blessing it has been lord uh, lord to be able to sing the songs that we've sung today i know god they, they the words bless my heart oh god it stirs me every time thinking about uh, lord what you did us on that cross and i do stand just amazed at it lord that you would have anything to do with us lord and and lord to be able to hear uh, lord and in these trumpets lord the the music that honored i believe and blessed you lord today and god i just thank you now that we get to read and now preach your word i ask that god today if there's anybody here who is lost i'm praying that lord today you would show them they need you more than anything else may we be be found faithful and and singing, presenting the gospel, preaching the gospel. 
living the gospel out. But God, we know that you are the one who saves, and we're asking you to bring conviction for you to call people into your kingdom today. Lord, we're praying for courage, Lord, to take a stand for you, Lord. If there's anyone here today who needs to be saved, oh God, I pray that they would have the courage, Lord, to make that decision public. And Lord, we're praying today, Lord, for every believer that we'd be found faithful, Lord, faithful to, to share the good news with all, even those in our own family, in our own household, Lord, that they might come to know you before it's too late. Oh God, now would you preach this message and I decrease and you increase, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. Now one of the things that I think we need to establish as we go through uh, this study on marriage, and we've already looked at a couple of sermons already in chapter 7 concerning this, and that is that the Bible, I believe, makes it very clear that a Christian should only marry another Christian, that believers should only marry believers. Disciples of Christ should only marry disciples of Christ. The, the Bible, I believe, teaches that we are to marry in the Lord, as we saw, as we will see, rather, in verse 39 of this same chapter. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul deals with the issue in chapter 6 of being unequally yoked. When he uses the term unequally yoked, being bound in together with an unbeliever. Now, I believe the primary uh, application of that would be in a situation of a marriage. But there can also be other situations where an unbeliever or a believer can get themselves tied in with an unbeliever that will lead to all kinds of trouble. And there are some cases also where you may have two people getting to marry and they both think that they are saved later to find out that one of them or both of them weren't. I've seen that happen on, on numerous occasions. But, but, but sometimes, uh, or for a, but, but if a Christian knowingly marries someone who is unsaved, knowingly does that, that, that person is not committed to Jesus Christ, they are literally asking for trouble. According to the scripture, God makes it very clear. We are only to marry with inside the faith. To do it outside is to invite problems that ordinarily you would not have. And oh, by the way, there's enough problems. Amen. You don't have to add to them. But yet, if we choose to go outside of God's plan, well, we're just simply in inviting it. And, and, and Paul Again, we'll talk a lot about marriage, and he has talked already about the fact that it needs to be believers, but there are some people who think, you know, I'll just marry them anyway, and I'll change them once they get married. Well, what I found usually the other way happens. If you can't change them before you marry them, you probably ain't going to change them afterwards, okay? Amen? And that's just usually how it operates. Now, the Apostle Paul is going to address a situation in his day that happens also in situations and in marriages today. You have two people who are lost. They get married, and then one of them gets saved. What should the saved person do now? Now they are married to an unbeliever. What should they do? Well, the Apostle Paul will deal with that issue in our text today. If you'll notice with me in verse 12... He begins with the first part of verse 12 by giving us new scripture or new commandments. And notice what he says here in verse 12. But to the rest, referring to uh, the other believers. He's already addressed the situation of two married believers, okay? And now to the rest, there's a believer there and the other one is not married. He says, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say. 
And what he's saying here is that he is now going to address an issue that Jesus Christ has not specifically addressed before. Jesus has given information and commandments on marriage, but he has not covered everything about marriage. Here the Apostle Paul says, I'm fixing to give you information or a new commandment that the Lord has not already spoken on, but he is now going to speak on it. The Apostle Paul, as an apostle of God, as having uh, inspiration by God, is now going to give new scripture concerning this issue that the church was facing and that the church still faces today. So we see this is new scripture, and notice what he tells them in the last part of verse 12 and then in verse 13. He says, if any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, but if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. Again, what we see is the Apostle Paul is giving the same command for both a man or a woman or a husband or a wife who is a believer married to an unbeliever. Here, it appears that what we have is a situation where two lost people got married. Then one of them gets saved. Now, when one of them gets saved, all of a sudden there's a change that takes place. Amen. When someone gets born again, they have a different desire. Maybe they didn't care a thing in the world about coming to church, but now you can't keep them away. There was a time when they would pick up that Bible if they really got into a stress or, or in a worrisome or they, they had it on the coffee table because they wanted to look spiritual. But all of a sudden they began reading that Bible. Uh, there was a time when they would pray when they were in a big uh, mess or, or, or just uh, in a crisis. But now all of a sudden they get up and they start praying all the time. Uh, there was a time when they would just say anything that came up into their mind. They would just blurt it out. But now all of a sudden they speak differently. Their words are different. There was a time when, when maybe they would go down to the different temples that were all throughout Corinth and they would get involved in all the drinking party and the drug parties and all the other sex parties, but now they no longer go to those places anymore. They're different. They've been born again. They're changed. And so you, you've got this, this difference that comes into the house where someone has been transformed, but another person still in darkness while one is walking in the light. Now, these believers may have wondered, well, now that I'm a Christian, do I need to be tied down to this lost person? Do I still need to be joined to them? After all, the Apostle Paul has talked about all the wickedness and evil going on in that city that it appears a lot of people were getting involved with, maybe even some church members. It's a legitimate question. If these people knew anything about the Old Testament, uh, if you remember back in the book of Ezra, there was a situation there where the Jews, after returning back from Babylon, had settled, resettled in the land. They began to intermarry with people outside the Jewish faith. And they were called out. And they were told to put away those foreign wives. And, and, and it may be a situation where they thought, well, do I need to divorce my lost spouse? Paul here has already affirmed the principle that, that, that believers should stay together. And here he is saying that if that unbeliever will stay, you should stay married to that person. Here he is telling me specifically what to do. A Christian husband must not divorce his unbelieving wife, and a Christian wife must not divorce her unbelieving, Christ, unbelieving husband. Paul saying if they are willing to stay, they are to stay married. He nips it in the bud. What his, his prayers, we see his desire here and God's desire is not for them to just leave because they're married to an unbeliever. We'll see that the idea is, is for them to try and reach that unbeliever. 
with everything that they can. And notice with me there in verse 14. Notice what we see here in verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But now they are holy. It appears that some of them thought that they're, if these Christians, these Christians may have thought if they were married to unbelievers, it would corrupt them. It would corrupt their family. But what Paul's saying is really just the opposite would take place. You see, we need to understand they were already corrupted. Jesus Christ has invaded that family by saving that, that family member, that spouse. And now for the first time, a corrupted dark house now has light in it. You see, he was already corrupted. It would be one thing. It would be one thing for believers to, to have a, a believer to, to marry a lost person and bring that lost person into their home. Then you're looking at major problems. But here we have a situation where the family is lost and now someone is saved. And if that's the case, God's saying now there's light in that family. There is now light there and hopefully they will come to know the Lord. Notice he tells them to think about what, what, what you need to take place or what can take place. In verse four, 14, he says, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. And what he's saying here is, is think about that spouse. Think about that spouse. You don't want to leave, Christian, because that unbelieving spouse needs to be born again. They need to be saved. Here, Paul uses the term sanctified by that believing spouse. Now, he's not saying that that lost spouse is immediately saved because their spouse is saved. That would go contrary to Scripture. What he's saying here is really that there's a blessing that is coming into that person's life and into that home because of the believer. It's like God is showing favor to them. Y'all remember in the book of Genesis when Joseph... This, this, uh, uh, the son of uh, Jacob was sold by his brothers. You remember his brothers sold him into slavery? And when they sold him into slavery, he goes into Potiphar's house. Potiphar is a pagan. What happened in Potiphar's house when Joseph came to his house? God began to bless that man in an unbelievable way. Even after he gets kicked into prison, the warden gets blessed down there. And after he comes out and Pharaoh starts listening, even Pharaoh gets blessed. It's like God begins to bless all these people who are in contact with the man of God, Joseph. And here, that's the principle that we see here going on. This unbelieving spouse now has access to the gospel like never before. Here, this unbelieving spouse will hopefully see the change in the life of that believer and want to see Christ and be converted. They won't be like their lost neighbors where everybody in that home is lost. They have no access to what it looks like for someone to be saved. They have no access to what it looks like for someone who is truly born again, who now has a joy inside of them because of Jesus Christ. They may have heard about it, but they don't get to see it. But that lost spouse now gets to see it in their home. You know, I thought about all these countless people groups all over the world who were in darkness who have never heard of the name of Jesus Christ, who have never heard the gospel. And that's kind of what it's like in a home where the, nobody in that home is saved. But in this home, one of the spouses is saved. And because of that, there is a light that is shining there. And hopefully they will see how many lost husbands have been saved through the believing, praying, and living out of the faith of a godly Christian woman. You know, I was reminded of a movie this past week that I saw a couple of years ago called The Case 
for Christ. And, and I hope that you'll watch it if you haven't seen it. Uh, the Case for Christ is the story of Lee Strobel, who was a, a, a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, newspaper writer for the Chicago Tribune. He was an atheist. And guess what? His wife messed around and got saved at a church. And after she messed around and got saved, she just started acting differently. And he got mad because now his wife is acting like a Christian. She's reading the Bible and going to all these church services and going to prayer meetings and doing all these different things. And he couldn't stand it. And finally, you know, he was talking to somebody trying to get some else. How can I get my wife to quit being a Christian? And somebody said, won't you just disprove Christianity? You're an investigative reporter. So he messed around and investigated. And guess what? He messed around and got saved. He realized that he could not disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but yet he could prove it. When you use the same methods and tools to verify anything that took place 2,000 years ago, there is more evidence of Jesus Christ raising from the dead than anything else. And he became a believer. You know why? Because his wife was changed. His wife was changed. I've shared before, I used to work with a lady at at Target, who was married to a man for, I believe she said, nearly 25 years. Tried to reach him for Jesus, and he was lost. And uh, she, and again, I, to my friends from different denominations that may be here or watching, it's just, I'm just picking at you, okay? But she she was a Pentecostal, and, and he was a Methodist, and, and uh, she would go to the Methodist church with him every now and then when he'd go. And then finally, a Baptist church had revival, and he got saved. I always like to give her a hard time about that. But he got saved. And I will never forget that woman walking into work with the biggest smile, almost skipping. And she shared with me, because I asked, what in the world happened to you? She said, not what happened to me, it's what happened to my husband. He finally got saved. I've been praying for him for 25 years. Let me tell you something. God can use that testimony. And there's been times when wives have been won by the radical change of their husbands. But what we see here is Paul is saying, listen, you just don't want to all of a sudden give your life to Christ and think you need to discard that spouse. No, that spouse needs Jesus. And if they will let you stay there, you stay there and you try to reach them. But he also says in this verse, he goes on to say, otherwise your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. When he talks about un being unclean, he's using a ceremonial term. What he's referring to is the fact that right now, for the first time, your children have a godly influence in that home. If you leave, are they going to have that godly influence? You know, there's going to be all kinds of influences in their lives. Make sure there's at least a godly influence there. Make sure there's somebody there who will show them the gospel. Maybe they will be able to look at the life of their of one parent and see how it's lost and how uh, unhappy they are and then see the joy that comes from Christ. And maybe they'll choose Jesus because they see it up close, the difference that he can make. I think about Timothy. Here's a man whose mother married a Greek. By all indication, he was a pagan. But yet, what does Paul say about Timothy? He says, I can see the faith of your mother and your grandmother mother in your life. They invested in you, and they taught you the truth of Scripture. Again, there's going to be negative influences in our children's lives, but, but, but they also need to have a godly influence, a Christian influence. And that's where that godly parent can, can invest in those lives and share the good news with that person. This... Um, 
I've seen different studies that tell us the impact of parents as they come to know Christ. And uh, the best studies that I've found is that over, if, if the man is the first one to be saved in a household, do you know there's over a 90% chance that the rest of the family will come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior? Now, you think it ain't a big deal that daddy is saved or not? If he's the first one to be saved in a home, there's a 90% chance that that family will follow through. The greatest revival I ever experienced is when four daddies got saved in four consecutive weeks at the first church I was at. I'm telling you, when those four men came out, each one of them talked about how the man before them got them to thinking about the fact, you know, I, I was a, they, they made a comment, hey, I was, just a, I was just a church Christian. I wasn't a born-again Christian. I, I could say all Christianese and I could come, but I hadn't been changed. And I'm telling you, when those men got saved, you know what was so amazing? Our Sunday school doubled the next month. Our Sunday school average doubled up. You know what? Because when daddy got right, everybody got right. And, and, and every time, when a, when, a, when a mother's the first one to get saved, that number drops significantly, but still, it still has a huge impact. It still has an impact. Folks, uh, uh, we, we need to remember that our children need the Lord. They need to see that godly influence. And while I'm here, I just, I'm just, just uh, I don't know who this is for, but just remember when I say a godly influence, it ain't just about you dragging them to church. I, I had a drug problem when I was young, okay? Like many of you, I was drugged to church every time the doors were open, okay? Uh, our, you know, we, that, that's one thing. But let me tell you something. If, if all we do is drag them to church, that's not, that's not going to work. What that's probably going to do is create a hatred for it to where when they get a chance not to come, they're not going to come. What they need to see is mom and daddy having a love for this book. And if you have a love for this book, they will see it in the way you treat it. If this is something they see you open up and read on a regular basis, if this is something that they hear you quote on a regular basis, if they see you spend time in prayer and they see you give godly advice and they say you see you get excited about the things of God when you're not around the people of God, that is when we start having a godly influence. That's when we start showing things. So I don't know who this is for, but I just want to make sure you understand. It's not just dragging in the church. It is living out the, the faith that Jesus Christ has put inside of us. And when he transforms us and changes, listen, people can see especially those who live with us, especially those who live with us. So the apostle Paul here, he's telling him, listen, you got to, you got to think about your family before you try to leave. And then he gives this last principle. And here's, here's where I know what you miss, church. Don't miss this. Okay. Verse 15 and 16. He reminds them that they are limited. He reminds them that they are limited. Notice what he says in verse 15. But if the unbeliever departs, now, don't miss it. If the unbeliever departs, the lost spouse chooses to leave. They simply cannot handle it anymore. Let him depart, Paul says. Let him go. The brother, a brother or sister, is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. Now, what he is saying by let them depart, notice it is the unbeliever who leaves. It is not the believer. The believer is to do everything in their power to reach their spouse for Jesus Christ. And they're to do it the way the Bible says to do it. it, it real quickly, in, in 1 Peter, I believe Peter gives some, some very strong, powerful advice. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter says this. 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 1, he says, Wives, likewise, 
be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their lives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, the wearing of gold, the putting on of fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, holy women trusted in God, also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid, uh, not, not afraid with any terror. Basically what he's saying there, and please don't miss this, he's not saying women should not dress up and, and not do things. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that's not going to be what reaches your husband for Jesus. Okay? There's nothing wrong with those things, but those things are outward. He's saying what's going to reach somebody is a changed life. Amen? It's a changed life. Same thing with a man. A, a, a man is not going to reach her, 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 his wife without a changed life. Verse 7, likewise, husbands, dwell with them, understanding and giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and being heirs together, the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. There are... The Bible teaches me that if I don't treat my wife the way God has called me to, God won't hear my prayers. That's a pretty big deal because I don't know about you. I want God to hear my prayers. There's things I'm praying for every day I pray that he do. And if I choose not to honor my wife to treat her the way she deserves to be treated, then, then God won't hear my prayers. And what happens is, is when, when men treat their wives the way they should and wives treat their husbands the way they should, in the Lord it has an impact. But if all they're going to do is take a, a big old frying pan and whop them upside the head every time they mess up and, and stay on them and, and, and complain all the time, gripe all the time, be domineering over them all the time, that's not how to reach that unbelieving spouse. No, back in 1 Corinthians, he is saying that if they depart, you've done everything you can do. And guess what? God knows and you know if you've done everything you can do. Have we truly submitted ourselves to do whatever needs to be done? And here Paul says, if they leave, you're not under bondage in such cases. Here is a unique situation. That means that the, that the believer, after the unbeliever leaves and divorces, they are free uh, to remarry if they're no longer under bondage. In God's sight, the bond between a husband and wife can only be dissolved under three accounts. One is death, according to Romans 7. Adultery, according to Matthew 19. And here, in the situation where you have two unbelievers, who then, after being married, one of them becomes a believer, and the unbeliever leaves. Those are the only three grounds by which the marriage bond biblically speaking, may be dissolved according to the word of God. And why does God say that? Because he has called us to peace. Now, I need to say something real quick, and I hope that I, hope that I say this the right way. But I believe there is a difference between being happy and peace. There's a difference there, okay? Like we've already talked about, every song, all your friends, all the movies... So you deserve happiness. You deserve all blah, 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 blah. Okay. The Bible tells us 
that if you're going to be Jesus' disciple, you take up the cross and you follow him. Now, when I hear that word cross, I see, I don't see really a whole lot of happiness in cross bearing. Sometimes that can be very tough. But there is a peace comes knowing that in the middle of a difficult situation, I'm doing exactly what the word of God is calling me to do. And if I'm doing exactly what the word of God is calling me to do, I can expect the presence of God in my life to give me what I will need to be able to bear it for his name and for his glory. But he has called us to peace. And then we see in verse 16, for how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? What he's saying is, listen, you and I are very limited. You can sit there and you can fight it and you can fight it and you can fight it and how do you know if you're ever going to see them saved? You don't know. Now, church, I think we need to be very careful at this situation, okay? Because if, if you're in this situation or you know someone in this situation, that believer is to remain. The only one who can leave is the unbeliever. And that's only if they cannot stand the, the, the holiness and the purity that comes through the life of the believer. But that believer is to stay there, to hopefully reach that spouse, hopefully to reach those children, if there's children involved, to be that godly influence in that life. That may be the cross you have been called to bear. Maybe, I don't know. But understand this, that unbelieving spouse may leave. Just like that child that you've tried to reach forever who is an unbeliever, you may not be able to reach him. Just like that neighbor you've been trying to reach for years, that family member you've been praying for for years, that, that, that co-worker you've been praying for for years. We can try and we can try and we can try. We can live out our faith. But some people just aren't going to set to the gospel. Some people just aren't. We can't save them. All we can do is live out the Christian life and every chance we get, speak the gospel into their life. And some of them are going to say yes, and some of them are going to say no. But understand this. They are not rejecting you when you present the gospel. They are rejecting Jesus. And just as I share with some folks Thursday night, every person will have to give an account for their life. Every person. Somebody says, why, why would a holy God, a loving God, send anyone to hell? My Bible tells me that you go to hell because you deserve it. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Wages are what you earn. You earn separation from God. God loved you so much to send his son to save you. If you go to hell, you'll go to hell over the dead, buried, resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Who could have paid the price for you. But some people will just reject it. Now folks, that don't mean we, we quit praying for them. We always keep praying for them. Until they leave this world, we pray for them. Until we, they leave this world where we have a chance, we share the good news. But just understand, some will say no. Some will reject it. Let's just make sure they didn't reject it because we gave them a reason to. Let's make sure that we were found faithful to do what we were supposed to do. Whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in a relationship with a co-worker or another family member or a neighbor or school, whoever it is. May they not look at us as a reason why they're not a follower of Christ. May they look at us as a reason to be a follower of Christ. And that's what I want to challenge you with today. Whether it's a marriage situation like we have here or any situation, may we be a reason to accept Jesus, 
not to reject him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you and we thank you today that we follow a God and serve a God who loves us with the greatest of all loves. A love that would cause you, stir you, to come to this earth, to die on a cross for not part of our sin, but all of our sin. To love us so much that we could stand here today and sing it is well with our soul, not because we are a good person, but because of the completed work of Jesus Christ done in us. Oh God, thank you for that. And I pray that, Lord, today, if there's anybody here today that is lost and needs to be saved, oh God, please save them today. May they not reject your offer of salvation this morning. May they turn to you today, Lord, before it's too late. And God, I pray right now, right now, there may be people right now involved in a marriage with a, with a lost spouse. And God, I pray that, God, you would give them the strength, Lord, to be the, the witness, God, that they need to be. God, give them the strength when they want to quit, Lord, to, to, to carry on and to keep pressing on, Lord, trusting you. And that, God, that you're going to do a work in that home, God, I pray. And I pray for those who have lost children at home, Lord, and they're seeking to see them come to know you as their Lord and Savior. And God, I pray that, God, you would help us as parents and, 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 and grandparents and aunts and uncles and others, Lord, to, to be that godly witness, Lord, before them, that they might see the joy that comes with giving your heart and life to you, Lord. And may it not be done just on the property here at this church, but, Lord, every single day of our life. May they see something different in us, I pray, God. Oh, God, today, would you move in this sanctuary? Would you save souls and challenge us, your church, to be found more like you? And, Lord, if there's anybody here who you are calling to join this fellowship, I pray that they would today, Lord. And, Lord, may you have your way with your church in this invitation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today, as we have our invitation, as Brother Jake will lead us in a hymn of invitation here in just one moment. Today, if you need to make a decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to be right down front. I'm going to ask you to come forward and take me by the hand. I want to, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you today because uh, the only way to, to know for sure that you are going to heaven is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. That begins by admitting to God that you are a sinner. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And we've got to turn away from that sin. We've got to repent of it. That means stop doing it. Turn away from it. And we've got to believe and trust in the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That when he came to this earth, he died for not part of our sin, but all of our sin at the cross at Calvary. And that he arose three days later. And then see, you must confess him as your Savior and Lord. To confess him as your Savior and Lord, understand this. You're praying and asking him to come inside your life, okay? And to save you, and he will. But understand this, he's going to be the Lord of your life, the master of your life, the ruler of life. That means that you will be living by what this book says, not by what you think you need to be doing, but what he has commanded you to do. The Holy Spirit will come and live inside you. He will direct you and guide you in all truth. And today, if you need to make a decision to accept Christ, do it today while there's time. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. I don't want you to miss out on glory. I don't want you to miss out on the, the hope that is in Jesus Christ. And today, if you need to be saved, you come forward before it's too late. Know the altar's open if you need to come. Today, it may be a, a marriage situation. It may be somebody else you've been praying for, and you've been praying for them, and you've been praying for them, and you've been talking to them, and you've been thinking about giving up. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Maybe today you need to come to this altar and pray for them and pray for yourself. That God would give you what you need to reach them.
Because I don't believe anybody's beyond the reach until they leave this world. That's how I see people, and that's how we all need to see people. God knows for sure. We don't. We just keep being the light. We keep sharing the good news. We keep living it out and doing everything we possibly can because hell lasts too long for people that we love and care about. And I don't want anybody to go there, and we've got to do what we kind of do, church. Whatever God may be calling you to do, you do it in this invitation as we sing it. Thank you.